Hello, everybody, and welcome back to welcome our back. show. This is the Daily Thread. Monday. Yes, it's a new week. Um, wow. And a lot happened over the weekend. Long weekend. Really long weekend. It's very funny. You know, the weekends are very long, and then once we start on Monday, the weeks are very long. Yeah, and we're about to end the first month of 2023. Wow, that was quick, too. Yeah, look at that. Before you know it, it's me, Pesach. It's scary. But we were just talking about before, well, Purim first, obviously. Right? Yeah, Purim. Well, Yud Shvat this week, and then yeah. Tuba Shvat. Yeah, uh, big month. Which we said is a turning point into spring on the Hebrew calendar. Yeah. And then um, heading into Purim, believe it or not, and uh, then Pesach. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Everything goes that way. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, it was uh, a it was a wild weekend. Yeah, so let's get into sort of the stories of this weekend. Um, going into Shabbos was a little bit heavy here in America, and and uh, and there was obviously this terrorist attack in Neve Yaakov, right outside of a outside of a shul as people right. were exiting, and seven people lost their lives in that uh, in that right. attack. Right, and we'll talk about that, but. We then turned on our phones after Shabbos to see that there was another attack in Yerushalayim, right. a 13-year-old with a gun right. um, who Baruch Hashem didn't kill anybody, but he injured a few, and he was he was uh, he shot was right away by, right. by an Israeli with a gun. Um, so it seems like tensions are, are up again in the Middle East, which is, um, it's, a new, it's a new government. It's now a new, it's sort of testing them. I think it's yeah, in response. Every time I, I, posted, I posted something on Twitter, and the yeah. response I got was, "Well, what do you have to say about the eight Palestinians that were killed in Janine?" I right. said, "Well, those people are terrorists. Those right. are armed terrorists. Right. You guys killed civilians. One being a fourteen-year-old." Right. And um, obviously, you know, Joe Biden and and Blinken, you know, they 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 voiced their their uh, condolences and they condemned the attack. Um, I well, know Blinken, uh, Blinken is in the Middle East. He, he arrived yesterday. Yeah, he's in Cairo, right? He stopped in yeah, Cairo. He's gonna he's gonna meet in Cairo with the Egyptians. He's gonna meet with Netanyahu, of course, I think, and then he's going to meet the, the Palestinian Authority with uh, Mohammed Abbas. Oh, um, you know, um, but uh, this is you. You said uh, you, you hit it right on the head. This is a new government, and they're being challenged. Uh, they're being dared uh, by the terrorists to see how far they're going to go. Because you know what? The more Israel cracks down on the terrorists that run organizations like Hamas or the Palestinian Authority, uh, the more money they can extract for compensation from the United States and from the Europeans and from even the some of the Arab Gulf countries. Because, you know, you want, you want the whole region to tumble into war? If you don't want war, you got to pay up, buddy. You got to pay up a few uh, billion dollars, and then maybe we could uh, tone it down a little bit. And that's you talk about the cycle of violence. This is a cycle of money. It's crazy. But this is happening. This is uh, this is obviously not the first time tensions have gotten you know high over there in the last year. Even uh, we've been in and out of of rocket attacks back and forth, and, and they fire rockets, and Israel goes ahead and they strike their military operation points and their depots, and we kill five people a part of Hamas, and then we wait for them to kill another five. Jews and then we do the same thing. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu is back in power and he's always sort of been, um, I think, more of, you know, to the right and he's been more aggressive when it comes to dealing with terrorists. 
certainly more aggressive than Naftali Bennett was. It sounds like you're being critical of him, though. Who, Netanyahu? Yeah. He no, like I'm not being he's critical. Not, uh, not cracking down enough. You know. I, well, uh, it's only been a, it's only been less than 36 hours, really. It's been less than 48 hours that is since since this attack took place, and I I, I really hope that that they're going to have a price to pay for the lives they took. Well, and you have to understand what what are, what are the considerations of like we we know we know what Netanyahu is about. We know that he is uh, no nonsense most of the time. Although sometimes during the Obama administration, which was now a long time ago, uh, he had to say certain things to placate uh, the Democrats and Obama, right. who was very anti-Israel and very liberal. Uh, but now he doesn't have that problem, not because Joe Biden is less liberal than Obama, but Biden is not playing with 100%, uh, you know, full deck. Uh, so yeah, he's also dealing with his own stuff, you know, finding finding documents yeah. in his underwear drawer. yeah. <laughs> He has one eye on his 81st birthday and the other eye on the 2024 election. So it's not in his best interest to be cracking down on Israel. But this is the point, Nachi. The point is, and this is what uh, the right wants, and this is what Netanyahu is going to have to endorse at some point. You need to have the death penalty for terrorists. Okay. Well, death penalty is they get killed, no? No, 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 no. They get caught. The jails are full of people that uh, that uh, perpetrated terror attacks. Bob, but do, these people don't. They, they go into these attacks hoping for death. They're martyrs. They want to go. I don't think that's a. No, I don't think that's, that's a repellent. That's not true. The people and you have to you have to, and you have to go beyond that. You have to have a death penalty for terrorists. It's not gonna. It may not eliminate terror. Okay, it's not gonna eliminate it because you have your crazies. Okay, but you have the leadership. Well, they're all, I mean, they're all crazy if they're no, committing exactly, a terror but, attack. But the, the leadership has to be punished, and you punish the leadership by taking away their citizenship and expelling them from the country. Well, that's what I. That's what I remember. We discussed this a long time ago. I said that you know maybe it's time that we you know start closing these checkpoints and saying you can't go to work today yeah but because you know what my, my friend Shalom Pollard I know, I know you said that the Israeli companies need the Arabs to come work them. They need but guess Arab, what they these are the seven labor. They need families them. there's a Yusayman the Minalmanas and they don't care work is not important to them right now they just lost their entire world work is what is work work is worth the price of losing lives like this no I know I told you this story. I know we're doing this a long time already, but I told you a story about many, 20 years ago, there was a terror attack and a man who owns a business in Israel was shot in the head by a Palestinian worker. And they were sitting shiva, the family, and they closed. I don't know who was prime minister at the time. They closed the territories. They didn't let anybody in. And one of the sons said to uh, one of the government officials, I know you closed the territories, but could you let our workers in? Because our factory can't function. So you see, everybody... That, I'm, I'm, that's that's the opinion of one person. I I think it's and I think you know I'm not I'm not going to judge that person. But today's day and age, it can't happen. You this know, this is where this is where public, to, uh, this is where Ben Gvir, who's the public um, security minister, stands. Let me okay. ask you a question. Ben Gvir's uh, his policy about you can't wave Palestinian flags after a terror attack is committed. They were shooting fireworks and giving out candies in Gaza. Those people, those people should be subjected to the same punishments. That means was lost, it done? Lost, was it enforced? Losing, losing. It just started. Who's enforcing? You're the it? one that said it happened 36 hours. Who's ago. enforcing it though? Itamar Ben Gvir is going himself. Enforced. No, it has to be. He has to give a direction to the police and to the military. Oh, so the police are going to go into Gaza, to, and there'll be blistering uh, uh, pressure from the Europeans and the Americans not to do it. Because don't forget, since this whole business started on on Friday night, and you know there isn't a day that goes by there isn't some kind of a some kind of terror attack. Maybe you don't hear about it. And by the way, not to go off too much on a tangent, even though that's our specialty. 
But I have to tell you that I watched the news the whole weekend, you know, Fox News and reading the Wall Street Journal. Besides around Shabbos. And, and and I even, I buy the Wall Street Journal and, on Friday so I can read it over Shabbos. Otherwise, I watch it, I read it electronically. I even bought the New York Times because I like some of their stories that are not editorial-based, you know. Yeah. And I even cut out one that I want to talk to you about in a minute if you have time, relevant uh, relevant to this. But there was no coverage of those Neveyako Well, no, you know what the coverage was? The New York Times tied, uh, headline was... Um, Terror, uh, attack in Israel after after a deadly week a deadly weekend in the West Bank. They pinpointed the attack in Janine as oh well it's it's eye for, it's an eye for an eye. Although Israel killed eight armed terrorists and they killed seven civilians, like I said, including a fourteen year old. The New York Times drew a parallel between those two attacks. All right, listen, the, the State Department has the same cliches. You know, uh, they asked for the, both sides to de-escalate. Uh, to stop the cycle of violence. It's not a cycle of violence. It's people, it's a guy with a gun uh, hiding outside of a shul, uh, killing people as they leave shul to go home for their Shabbos Suda. Let me ask you a question also. When was the last time a 13-year-old, th- when was the last time a 13-year-old Israeli killed anyone? Killed any Arab? Any Palestinian? You're not, you're not going to find you're a balance. 13-year-old in not, Yerushalayim. Shoot! You're not going to find a This is... This is what Yitzhak Shamir said, that they get their Jew hatred in their mother's milk. It's not something that they learn in, in, in high school or in college. They I think it's something that they're taught. That. I disagree. I think it's something that they're taught. I'm not saying they don't get it as well, but I think it's something that they're taught in their schools. Anyway, and guess what? They're, they're taught in the schools that are funded by the United Nations, by the way. Right. They're funded by by UNRWA. They're, fu- they're funded by these people. All right. Remember this case? Here's a case from New York. I bet you don't remember it even. Remember the guy drove his truck onto a bike path? Yeah, on the west side of Manhattan, and ran over a bunch of people, killed eight people uh, that were riding bicycles on a beautiful October afternoon in 2017. Okay, this happened in 2017. You know how many years ago? Six years ago. That's five and a half years ago. Anyway, the guy is an Uzbeki. His name was Sefalo Sepov. He's 34 year old guy from Uzbekistan, and um, last week the jury found him guilty of uh, last week. Last week. After well, six years. No, it was primarily delayed because of COVID. Oh, okay. Okay. They, uh, the courts were closed for a few oh, years. Okay. So the guy was sitting in jail. I wasn't home. He wasn't playing golf. He was he was in jail. Right. Okay. No bail in this okay. case anyway. But um, so Trump was president when this happened. And Trump said, one of the things Trump said, and his attorney general at the time, Bill Barr, agreed that there should be a death penalty for a guy, guy like that. Guy killed this. eight people. Guy killed eight people. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, two were from New York, uh, four were from Argentina, and uh, uh, I think three others were so, from Belgium. So it's uh, an international uh, crime. Belgium. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, so um, Donald Trump at the time tweeted, should get death penalty. Okay? So this guy's lawyer figured that Trump's not president anymore. He should appeal to the Biden administration. They're not for the penalty, death penalty for anybody. Right. Unless you're a fetus, you know, then you're not, they're not for the death penalty yeah. otherwise. Um, so... Um, uh, but surprisingly, Attorney General Merrick Garland said no. The, the one of the options and the penalty phase of the trial begins next week on February sixth, and they were appealing that the option for death penalty for capital punishment should be removed. It shouldn't be. It should be life in prison or life in prison. Those are the two choices that this guy gets. Right now, it's life in prison or execution, either by lethal injection or electric chair or however, whatever the mechanism is to do such a thing. Anyway, surprisingly, Biden's Attorney General, Merrick Garland, said no, 
capital punishment should stand in, in, in this case. So if America, if leftist, uh, a weak America, uh, is uh, willing to leave the death penalty on the books for terrorists, certainly Kalvachoma, uh, certainly Israel should be able to have, and believe me, if they execute the first terrorist, I'm not going to say it's going to eliminate terrorism 100%. Like you say, they want to be martyrs. They do. Um, but you know what? They're, they're really big chickens. They want the next guy to be martyrs. And the people that send them, the leaders, they don't send their own children. They send their neighbors. They send someone else's children to blow themselves up or to shoot. Yeah, I mean, Bin Laden, uh, bin Laden lived for, for many years. He never, he never martyred himself. He just martyred the leaders, other people. The leaders of Hamas and the leaders of the Palestinian Authority, their kids are in New York at NYU. They're at Columbia University. They're at University of Pennsylvania. Are they really? Yeah. They, well, they oh, shouldn't. They get, educated, they get educated in the United States. I mean, if that's true, like, they shouldn't really be here, no? Well, well, you can't, you, you know, you, you simplify things. Well, like, I don't know why, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just uh, simplifying it too much, but I just feel like. No, you, you know, you don't simplify it, but you are, you have, you have, your, your opinions are black or white. And there's a long distance between black and white. There's a lot of gray between black and white. Yeah, but I, I think that's I th how you dress. I think the, I think the gray is distraction though. I think. You know, Anachi, a civilized world cannot live with black and white. Uh, the. Look! Look what! Look what happened in Memphis with those five cops yeah. who murdered this twenty-nine-year-old uh, uh, guy. Okay, uh, the big shock. He was shock, younger. He was just twenty-nine. I thought he was younger. Twenty-nine years old. He's twenty-three. He's twenty-nine. Okay, I think twenty-nine. The biggest shock for the media is that, and this is a difficult conversation to have. The biggest shock for the media is that the five policemen that killed him were all black. Yeah. And he was black. They took the main story out of CNN's arsenal. Well, you know, the, the you know, they could, first they of all, they can't call it racism. Yeah, uh, first of all, I mean, I totally condemn that attack. I think that of those, course we those, all do. Those we officers do. should be held responsible. It was a disgusting act of violence. What was done? They're gonna, they, they were fired. They're going to go on trial. They're charged with second degree murder, and there'll be a, and there'll be a trial. Hundred percent. But, uh, but, uh, but, but, but there's no racism in the equation. And, and but here, but here's like here's where it gets a little bit interesting the protests around the world are, are still about, you know, the racism and the BLM and, uh, and, and talking about white supremacy. Again, this was an attack that was not committed by any white police officer. There's a lot of mystery surrounding this case that still has to come out. Number one, they pulled him over and they pulled him out of the car right away. It's not like they asked him to step out of the car and he refused. So maybe it was premeditated. Something else maybe, happened. Maybe it was premeditated. Maybe it was so, first-degree murder. You no, know, some, so, something else happened and we don't know yet what happened. It'll come out at the trial, but something else happened, but we don't know what the, what the history is, and they're not going to talk now. I think whatever happened, they're all first of all, how, can I ask you a question? These cops are that... They're that dumb. They know they're on camera. They know that they have body cameras. It's their own camera. It's their own camera. Camera recording your chest. What do they everything. think is going to happen? I don't know. I, don't, I can't put myself in that frame of mind. But you, apparently, when you're in that kind of position Rage? of power and authority, the guy. I'm, I'm not blaming the cops. Chas Shalom. I'm just saying. Well, I'm blaming those cops. Something. Not happened. cops in general. I'm blaming not those cops. But something happened. That oh, but nothing. Don't know about nothing. Yet. Nothing. Nothing beat, could have happened like to beat a guy to death like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. But uh, but from their point of view, something, there's something called law and order, right? There's nothing. They they don't get to decide this guy's a, faith. It's a big it's a big failure of the police department in Memphis. By the way, um, I think they said 65 percent of Memphis. Uh, first of all, the crime in Memphis is the highest of any major city in the United States. Really higher than Chicago? Way higher than Chicago. Higher than New York. 
it's a tremendous amount of crime. Interesting. And it's also the majority. It can't be. It can't be race. It can't be systemic racism because sixty five percent of the Memphis police force is is African American. Is black. You know, the population is over 60% black, you know. Um, so it, it can't be that um, they're, they're being victimized by uh, by white supremacy, even though it didn't stop the commentators on CNN no. saying that it is have elements of white supremacy in it. Yeah, of course. You know, it, it, they did say that. Um, talk to us a little bit about what's going on with Ilan Omar. With who? Ilan Omar. Oh, Ilan Omar. Well... Listen, I think she has very. She covers her hair very nicely. Yeah, very nicely. You, know, you, not, you never see any of her hair. She was yesterday on. But she definitely shows her true colors. Yes, but she. She's uh, the face of modern day anti-Semitism. You know, yesterday, she said she didn't know that there's any kind of criticism about uh, saying that Jews are have a special relationship or have a special way with money. Mm. When she said uh, the Jews are all about the Benjamins. Oh yeah. Referring to Benjamin Franklin, who was on the. A bill on the hundred dollar bill. She said she didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, she didn't know that was that was an anti-Jewish or anti-Israel. Okay, great. So you know what? She doesn't belong in Congress. She belongs in fourth grade. Maybe go back to learning. Uh, she she's you know, by have to tell you something. Uh, hold on to your seat. She's elected from a district in Minnesota that's majority Jewish. Yeah. Okay, and she's reelected and she's been elected again. Okay, had a good opportunity. If, uh, what a month ago? When was the election? Two months ago. A good opportunity to vote her out and put someone else in. Somebody else ran against her, you know, but they didn't vote for. They didn't vote for her. They voted for. They voted Ilan Omar back into. Well, uh, so what, what's going on now? I know she was fired from something. No, she uh, she wasn't fired. Uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, who was the speaker, of the, speaker House, of the House, doesn't want her to sit on the House Foreign Relations Committee. Okay, but yeah, there has to be a majority vote to keep her off the committee. Okay, and right now, as of today, McCarthy does not have the votes to keep her off the committee. So she's probably going to be on the Foreign Relations Committee. When, the when, Foreign Relations when, yeah. Committee gets intelligence briefings. It's top secret stuff. A lot of the kind of things that are in Biden's sock drawer. <laughs> um, and um, she, gets, uh, uh, she gets information from... Uh, about uh, the Middle East, uh, about Israel, about the Palestinians, about the, the Abraham Accords. She gets top secret clearance on the intelligence uh, committee. And, uh, you know, someone that has this kind of, harbors this kind of animosity clearly towards Jews, uh, despite what she said yesterday, uh, which is not believable, right. uh, is a potential danger uh, to the United States. But he needs 218 votes in the House to keep her. The Democrats appointed her already to the Foreign Relations Committee. Of course. Okay? So, and now the, 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 the rest of the House can vote on taking her off the committee, which means removing her from the committee. But they, they have a, you have a couple of Republicans who don't want to remove her from the committee. How come? They think that the Democrats should be allowed to appoint whoever they want to appoint, and the Republicans should be able to appoint whoever they want to appoint, okay? And all the committees now are going to have a Republican majority because the Republicans have the majority in the House. And when it comes to issues to vote on, if the Republicans stick together which is more challenging than the Democrats stick together. The Democrats stick together on these committees even though they don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Okay, They can be absent and they stick together and they vote along with the majority. The Republicans are a little bit of a different story. Anyway, when it comes to uh, keeping uh, Ilan Omar off the House Foreign Relations Committee, there's a couple of Republicans. The, margin, the, margin, the majority is very, very small. It's 222 to 212 okay. right now, which means you need 218 votes to keep it off the committee. There's a congressman in uh, Florida, a Republican, Congressman Stoop, 
who fell off the roof of his house while he was pruning a tree, and he's very badly hurt, so he can't make it to vote in the House. And McCarthy did away with voting, absentee voting. During COVID, when Nancy Pelosi was the, the speaker, she said you could vote absentee. You could say you could call and say, hello, I'm voting in favor. I'm in, I'm in the Bahamas, but I'm voting against this or I'm voting for that. No more. Now, yeah. if you're not president in Washington, you can't vote. Anyway, Congressman Stube, who fell off his roof, unfortunately, he was on a ladder and fell off his roof, injured himself pretty badly. He's not coming to Washington. His last so, name is Stube? What? Stube. S-T-E-U-B-E. Stube. Okay, and uh, so he's recovering right now, so you can't count on his vote. So uh, that means that there's a couple of Republicans already said they don't want to mix into Democrat business. They don't want to say tell the Democrats who they can and cannot have on their committees. Very interesting. What else do you have? What else do I have? I think I think a lot of the news in the in the Jewish world um, is surrounded around what's going what what is going on, what has happened in Israel. We're obviously waiting to see what the response is. We always find it very interesting that as soon as something like this happens, uh, Israel right away, their IAF is is bombing, you know, missile houses and houses of Hamas. So they know exactly where everyone, everything and everyone is. Yeah, but uh, Hamas and these other groups seem to have unlimited, unlimited storage. Well, where are they un- getting it un- from? Unlimited stockpile. Uh, where are they getting their weapons know, from? Egypt? I don't know it's coming from. It's Syria? Coming, it comes in, it comes in from, it comes in from Iran through Syria. It comes in through uh, from Iran through Lebanon. Let me ask you, what's what is the uh, the um, the objective of of Blinken right now, heading to the Middle East to achieve what he, what he wants to call peace? Well, you know, you know when when someone says the word peace, it implies that two sides are fighting with each other, right? Um, and we need to make peace between them. But in this situation, in this scenario, I don't think that's I don't think it's the right terminology. I don't think it's the right thing to even say. Don't come to Israel and say, okay, well, how can we make peace with them? The second they put down their weapons and put down their guns, everything will be fine. The second the Israelis put down their weapons and their guns, they'll have more dead Jews. If that guy in, in Yerushalayim didn't have a gun when that 13-year-old opened fire, there'd be more dead Jews. Nachi, I said it here a few times because it was relevant. Um, uh, Bill Oman, his prophecy in Pasha's Bullock saw the future and said, I see a nation that lives apart. You know, and this is this is Claudius Roll's destiny. We have to be isolated and we have to live apart. But we spend all our time as a people trying to get the world to accept us when the divine prophecy is for Claudius Roll to live separate and apart okay. in a dignified uh, and in a constructive uh, way, uh, not to uh, assimilate, as has been the effort for the last hundred years in the United States, and not to melt not to become a melting pot. Um, so we have to be able to appreciate uh, that, uh, that segment, that aspect of, uh, of, that, uh, of that prophecy. So there are two people um, who were on vacation last well, week. Well, listen, you know, a lot of people were on vacation yeah, last week. You know, it's true. And Baruch Hashem, people are starting to filter back uh, this morning. I'm kind of enjoying the, free, the, the open parking here. Like, it's yeah, pretty empty. Yeah, I found a nice parking space this morning. I if anybody wants in. to stay in Cancun and in, in Florida, yeah. you know, maybe look into <laughs> staying long term. You know, they, 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 I saw they want, they want to move some of the, uh, uh, for the 42,000 immigrants that are currently in New York City. They want to move some of them up to the Catskills because there's much more room up there. Oh, gosh. Come on, you, you got camps that are around. You got a camp. You know, camp is empty a whole winter. 
<laughs> you can get it. They can get big bucks. I'm not saying Camp Monk. I know you're thinking. I'm thinking. You think I'm thinking about Camp Monk? I'm not. Maybe there's a lot of camps. There's a lot of camps up there that would take them for the winter. Five hundred dollars a night from the federal government. Maybe uh, in the in the in the in the square camp. Uh, but I, I, just, I just don't. I just picked a picked a random, uh, random. I'm not saying. I'm not saying square. I just don't know them. what the condition of the camp would be after they leave. Well, they're gonna have a lot of money. They'll be able to be able to build new bunks in June. Okay. <laughs> Well, be able to build. I think it's a good thing that you don't run a camp. Well, I'm just saying that there's a lot more room up in the Catskills than there is in. It's all about the Benjamin, in, huh? In, in the city, <laughs> no, it's a, it's good business. I think. Am well, I allowed to say that? You can say it's all about the Benjamins. You're making fun of uh, Ilan Omar, yeah. But she says she didn't know. She didn't know that the, there was an anti-Semitic trope. I don't know if she knows what an anti-Semitic trope means. I don't think she, someone told her to use the words anti-Semitic. I don't trope. think she knows what a trope is. Yeah, I don't think she knows what a trope is. I mean, trope is the uh, forget about it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, people are filtering back. You know, this morning, I think you know, for the last week, uh, with my daily minion, we had we had to wait for number ten to walk in. Really, you know, but today we had about 15, 17 people. So people are filtering back slowly but surely. Some of the schools even started today. In some areas, a lot of them don't start till the end of the week. But um, but along with the, the great time that people had all over the world came, unfortunately, some some tragedies. And it's like a uh, it's like spinning a, it's like spinning a wheel. You don't know when, which community it's going to hit. And here in the five towns, we had a terrible tragedy with the passing of uh, uh, Marty Weissman, who owned uh, who owned Ezra Pharmacy right up the block, a couple of blocks from here. On uh, on Central Avenue, and uh, he was in Aruba, and uh, he died in a, he was scuba diving with, uh, with his son, and uh, according to the reports I read, had a heart attack, and uh, that's a lethal uh, formula having a uh, a heart attack and um, underwater and while, while with limited oxygen, diving. and then there was a doctor also from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, uh, Doctor Saul, last name was Saul, S A U L. Also, uh, I don't know too much about him. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, is like at the end of New Jersey, right near, right, right near Philadelphia, and um, and also he was in a in a in a swimming or a underwater deep sea diving type of uh, type of accident, and uh, big tragedies, tragedies for a community, and uh, tragedies for the family, uh, of course. And uh, Marty Weissman was a well-known figure here for decades. Yeah, very popular pharmacy. Uh, tremendous uh, name in terms of chesed that he did uh, for people, but um, you know uh, he passed away in Aruba, which is a different country. And Achiezer had to work, uh, you know, a couple of for a day and a half to get his uh, body returned uh, to New York. So they had a levai yesterday, and uh, now the family is uh, is sitting shiva. Yeah, and I just yeah, also yeah, want yeah. want to say before we wrap up this episode, um, we are requesting and encouraging the listeners to say to Hillam uh, for the wife of Rabbi Shlomo Farhi, who's undergoing a surgery right now as we mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Chana Bat Sima Fega. That's Chana Bat Sima Fega. To please daven for her, to have a refu shalema, uh, that everything should go well, that the surgery should go smoother than the doctors even can imagine. Um, this is on the request of Rabbi Farhi himself. Uh, she's been right, you should decided, have a, yeah. a refu shalema, Bakar of Mamish. And... Um, on a lighter note, I don't know how many minutes you're into this. Where are you up to? 27. 27. On a lighter note, um, we're uh, besides, right at, right when you finish Yeshiva week, which is over now pretty much, or ending at the end of this week, um, you know, I started to write about it this morning. That's why I'm bringing it up. 
I'm thinking maybe if I talk about it, I'll come up with some new ideas. Mm. But uh, we're heading into uh, Super Bowl mode. Ooh. Super Bowl is two weeks from uh, from yesterday. Yes. And, that, and that's a that's it's a in two big, weeks from yesterday, yeah. You know, that's a kosher event. Super Bowl is a kosher event. I don't know how you figure. Uh, it's a Super Bowl. Let me tell you something. I, I, we'll talk about Super Bowl later in the week. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I, I, I made a cheshbon that... When does the game start? Six thirty on the twelfth. Mm-hmm. Six thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that means it's going to start at uh, one thirty in the morning in Eretz Yisrael. This game's going to start, and a lot of yeshiva guys are going to be, you know, in their favorite places to watch the game. Not everybody centers yeshiva. I don't know which yeshiva. They have super seder. <laughs> they go. They learn all night. They learn. They learn all <laughs> they night do. and they go to the, and they go to the kosel in the yeah, morning. They, they don't watch the game at all. They don't watch. I mean, maybe they DVR it and they watch it later. They watch it later during the day, during regular during regular hours. Maybe the point is this. The point is this. Uh, I'm going to speak to. Uh, we have we have uh, a writer in, in yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael that writes in the paper every other week. Um, I'm not going to say. His, I mean, you know his name, but I want to speak to him first. Sure. Uh, about what his Super Bowl plans are. We're also and going to speak to the shliach in Arizona. Who, yes, I'm going to speak to Rabbi Shalom Lou. Uh, who is a shliach in That's where the, su- the Super Bowl is in Arizona, and I'm sure he is uh, gearing up for. You think Abu? You flux. think you think we could send somebody down to for the Daily Threat to cover some of the Super Bowl festivities? See how many tefillin get a tfil- get a, a mitzvahim uh, count. Well, um, maybe we we'll send Yossi Farah down there. You know Yossi Farah? No, who's Yossi, Yossi Farah? Is this, this young kid? Why don't you send uh, Zion's down there? What's nah, his name? I think Yossi Farah would be great because yeah. Yossi Farah just wraps fill-in on on like celebrities and every, he's, in, in California. Oh, really? he's in California. So I think maybe we can get Yossi. Uh, we can get Yossi down to Arizona. Yeah, we need someone to go to to Glendale to the Chabad House in Glendale. Uh, either over Shabbos of the Super Bowl weekend or maybe on Sunday morning of Super Bowl Sunday to see who comes to Davin, uh, you know, who who's there for breakfast. I'm curious when people are online getting into the Super Bowl, how many how many people are gonna be rapping to fill in? All right, that's a that's a that's a separate thing. But I'm talking about people not everybody first of all, it's a, it's it's not like it's not like winter break. You know, it went to break no, everybody. If you if you if you if you can't go to Cancun or or Panama, so you drove to uh, to the Catskills to your to a, to a friend's summer home, or you or you went to American Dream or whatever it is. You did you did something. Not everybody could go to Glendale, Arizona for the day for the Super Bowl. No, certainly, Bowl. certainly not. Tickets are thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, I think, based on my uh, limited um, knowledge of sports, I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. I think. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I think uh, Pat Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. Listen, as long as the refs keep the whistle out of their mouth, hopefully it'll be a good game. And the quarterback for Philadelphia is what's his name? Hertz? Jalen Hurts. Big big physic. Jalen Hurts. When he was in college, he was benched. He was he was uh, he was benched, and well, he had who's, to. Who's the main quarterback for Philadelphia that was injured? Jalen Hurts is the main quarterback. He's the first string quarterback. Yeah. Wasn't Geno Smith quarterbacking a few weeks ago for Philadelphia? No, or? it's the Seahawks. It's a different. Oh, it's oh, a different oh. bird. One is the Eagles, oh, and one is the Seahawks. Oh, oh. See, it's get, a common get, misunderstanding. I'm not a bird watcher. I get uh, I get mixed up about. You think maybe things. the Eagles and the Seahawks get together and talk about like bird food and stuff like that? <laughs> it could be. Maybe they eat bird food. Maybe. Who knows? Okay, well, so anyways, that's our episode for today. Okay. Uh, we will see you again tomorrow here on the Daily Thread. Make sure to leave a review, uh, rating, subscribe to this channel, and we will see you again tomorrow.